group of young heroes called the Animorphs. Okay, good. Okay, things are appearing normal. Yay! Hello, and welcome to Middlemorph Millennials, the podcast that I started to force my friends to read Animorphs and yell at them about how termites aren't people. My name is Morgan. And my name is Kate. And my name is Jason, the mountain sized earwax that came to life. Oh. <laughs> Okay. Okay. <laughs> right, with that kind of episode. All right. All right. We're start- I just wanted to be gross. Starting in hot. Well, we are talking about termites, so I guess that. that yes, couldn't... they did just morph termites, um, and that was gross. So uh, we're having like an I have no mouth, but I'm a scream moment because they've morphed uh, termites and they're trying to infiltrate this logging camp in the forest that the Yerks have started to find the Andalite bandits. Oh, uh, well, we should probably just say, hey, we're finishing up book nine today. And, oh, yes. And uh, book nine is called The Secret, and it's a Cassie book. And we also don't really and, know why it's called The Secret. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. Uh, I think it's, The Secret is the way to get rid of skunk smell. <laughs> oh, and which is, you know, talked about, like, right at the very end, last couple pages of the book. Yeah. So it's, it's well, This weird. is one of those ones where it's like, action, action. And you're like, there's four pages left. How, how? <laughs> how is this going to yeah, get resolved? Yeah, that always happens. <laughs> I'm always like, how, how is this going to wrap up in, like... <laughs> Yeah, like it was, it was, it was really, it was really quick. Yeah, it's like they are about to die, but there's only four pages left. Do they die? Is that just what happens? Yeah, no, seriously, it's a always a very quick conclusion with the with the each of these. I'm assuming as it gets towards the end of the whole series, though, that's going to be a much more overarching conclusion. Morgan, or is it still yeah. like one page? Ah, ah, they're done. <laughs> I believe I said like a couple books ago that the last nine-ish books are basically the ending arc yeah. of the series, and up until then, it's fairly episodic. I think you did, but we do, that. you know, get some recurring characters and things like that. So next book, we're gonna we're gonna meet some some new recurring characters. So oh. yeah, we get hyped for that new cast season two new cast. <laughs> <laughs> But we're getting ahead of ourselves because right now they're termites. All right. So they've just morphed termites. They're blind. They're pretty much the termite only has a sense of smell and not much in the way of instincts. I also wanted to call back to what Kate was asking. She uh, she says, I was as long as any two or three letters on this page. So we were mentioning a couple books ago about how like, is this a book? Is it a diary? What is this supposed to be? Yeah. Um. But I think that was just like, okay, kids, here's your frame of reference. Yeah, it it, uh, it it harkens back to each of them, like, technically writing these, like, in their own, like, journals or diaries, you know, captain's log, star date. Um, <laughs> but it, it's not super conclusive uh, in their tenses and, and how they're actually recording it. Again, I think it's just kind of going back to this is a mode to be able to, like, communicate all this information on a, like, talking to you directly to the reader kind of level but it doesn't really seem to dive deeper than that yeah oh i also wanted to note since it's my turn for notes i did use voice to text for these notes so it might be a little bit like when axe morphs human and that we got some like bone apple tea going on so that's what you mean <laughs> as we go yeah along. exactly <laughs> That's a subreddit for people who say things that sound like other things. Anyway. <laughs> okay, so they're termites. They 
are like, um, we can't see which direction are we supposed to go? Whoops. And then Cassie is like, well, maybe I'm crazy, but I get this sense, this feeling like something is calling to me. And they're like, yeah, we feel that too. So, all right, let's do it. Let's yeah, as good a direction seems, as any. That seems smart. Always, always obey the siren call. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> well, it's like, it's, and it's suspicious where they're like, I feel nothing as the termite. And you're like, oh, just wait. Yeah, <laughs> there is yeah. always a catch. A whole new level of nothing. Um, so they, they go and then they hit the force field and they're like, okay, great. So at least we know we're going in the right direction. And Cassie finds this pine needle that's casting a shadow on the force field. And they kind of squeeze through that shadow. Cassie says, I'm through. At the same time, I became aware that the vague far off voice I'd heard calling to me was much stronger. For a weird moment, I actually thought it was my mother's voice and I wanted to go toward it. Again, (laughs) creepy as hell. Mm-hmm. We are recording this the week before Halloween too, so very it's gonna well, be. But it will probably relevant. release here uh, closer to Thanksgiving. So Thanksgiving, yeah, creeps. which is a, yeah another version of horror Thanksgiving. Um. Yeah. <laughs> one thing when I heard when I first heard about the mother's voice, I was like, oh my god, did Cassie's mom like get captured or something? Yeah, but no, maybe it was worse. Some sort of instinct. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Cassie says, is everyone through? Yes, Rachel said. She sounded distracted to me, like she was listening to someone else and didn't want me interrupting. But that was okay, because I didn't really want to talk to her either. And so they start moving towards the voice or whatever, and they feel like their bodies are moving on their own. Um, and they find a way into the building and the termite tunnels. And they're like, we don't know how, but this is the right building. And so they go and they reach the entrance of the tunnels and the the soldier termites are like smelling them with their antenna and they're like okay you check out the bouncer lets them into the colony because they are (laughs) one of them one of them and so they go along the termite tunnels doing termite things cassie says a worker was ahead of me it extruded it extruded a pellet of digested cellulose wood pulp i quickly gobbled it up and yeah and there's a red flag here because the narration doesn't say i was disgusted you know like when jake eats the spider as a a lizard it's just like yep i did that Uh, it's it's uh it's not confirming that they have uh their human um uh, consciousness uh yeah active right now human emotions yep um and so they're just kind of going through and she gets is getting like pulled closer and closer to the center of the colony and she hears this voice in the back of her head saying, what am I doing? Um, but she ignores the voice and then the voice starts shouting, no, let me go. And she just keeps moving towards the goal, like the quote unquote destination that she's trying to get to, that she's compelled to go to based on smell. And that's growing stronger and stronger. And so we know that this is like Cassie's voice screaming inside the termite's head as the body that she doesn't really have control over is moving towards the center of the colony. And finally, she regains control and regains her identity, her sense of identity as she emerges into the queen's chamber. The termite suddenly emerged into a vast open space, a space that in reality was no more than two or three inches across, yet it, yet it felt like it was an auditorium to me. Suddenly, I knew who had seized control of the termite brain. I knew who had brushed aside my human mind. She was vast, huge beyond belief. At one end, I sensed the termite head and useless, waving termite arms. From that small head and body, there extended a monstrous, pulsating sack, as big as a blimp. At the far end was a double row of sticky, slimy eggs to be picked up and carried away by worker termites. It was the queen. 
So, uh, yeah. <laughs> we love big pulsating sounds. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but no. So it kind of reminded me of like the queen from Alien. Yes, for sure. And that's like definitely probably what, I mean, insects are what she's kind of inspired by. BGPs, guys. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so she calls out to the others and in thought speak and kind of makes contact with them one by one. And they're like, I can't control it. I can't break free. And she's like, it's the queen. They're controlling us. And they're like, I can't resist it. There's nothing we can do. So Cassie's like, the only way we can free ourselves is to get rid of the queen. So she climbs onto this queen's giant body. And the narration doesn't say exactly what she does. It only says, I scampered towards the queen's head. I felt my antenna touch her. I opened my massive pincer jaws. And then it cuts to now the termites are all running around lost because the queen is dead. So basically she just like cut the queen's head off, it seems like, with her pincers. And then the animorphs like all snap back and kind of start to panic. They start to have their sense of self. And she's like screaming. Everybody's screaming. And she's like, demorph. And someone one of the other animorphs she doesn't know who is like no you're inside a piece of wood you can't demorph Mm -hmm. and she's like nope demorph demorph i want to be human i want to be human now so she starts getting bigger but then the walls press in around her and she like is growing inside this chunk of wood and is like she can't grow anymore the walls are pressing in on her but suddenly it explodes open and she's able to fully demorph and checks in with her body and makes sure she's got arms and legs and a head and all that stuff. And she realizes that Marco, Rachel, and Axe are standing over her. And that Axe used his tail blade to slice open the piece of wood and basically save her life from yeah, exploding. thank God for Axe in that regard. Yeah. yeah. He saved them twice, this book. Yeah. With his tail, yeah. Because he cut Marco out of the... Um, out of the net in the first half yeah they really need to, i know they will eventually but guys a little a little late they should definitely be acquiring that andalite morph yeah seriously. yeah it would help a lot with the ruse against uh against the visitor three as well if they all uh, had andalite morphs yeah i feel like they treat it as kind of like cultural appropriation like if they morph him it'll be kind of like rude but he already has their morphs yes exactly he has all their morphs it's fair absolutely so rachel's like cassie are you okay and rachel puts a hand on cassie's shoulder and then cassie like pulls her into a hug but then suddenly pushes her away and screams like don't touch me don't touch me and rachel like jumps on cassie and puts a hand over her mouth and marco grabs her feet and she's like struggling but they're holding her down because she's having this like panic attack and they're like shut up there's people in the next room and she's like i did not care at all i was she was just freaking out and marco's like axe get on the computer uh and see what you can find like while we calm her down and so rachel and marco hold her down while she's having this like panic attack and she's like struggling until she starts to relax and calm down and it says access i have access accessing um, Marco or Rachel, I need a human to help me understand the meaning of what I am seeing here. Marco climbed up off the floor. Rachel stayed with me. She was stroking my hair like my mom would have done if I'd had a nightmare. And she's like, that's not a Rachel thing, but I'm really glad that she stayed and was like comforting me because that is what I needed in that moment. Uh-huh. That was sweet. But like, yeah. damn, she lost. She lost her marbles for a second. Yeah. yeah, which not only was she dealing with, like, the termite mind, she had to... She was the only one that broke free, as opposed to others. Yeah, yeah she broke free first, which makes sense. Well, I feel like 
Axe would have wrote, but you know, he's not narrating this book. <laughs> Axe the whole time is just like, oh, this is interesting. I wonder where everybody's going. Why are we still following in a line? <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. Oh, they want out now? I guess I'll just get my tail out here and just pop this open. Okay, we're all good. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And um, so Axe is like, there's some sort of commissions deciding whether or not logging can go forward. A commission of three people who has to vote. And he says, Dapson Lumber Company. That's what the Yerks call this logging company. Very funny. Marco's like, what's funny? And he's like, Dapson? It's a Yerkish word that means, well, never mind what it means. It isn't polite. (laughs) Which, like, huh. Oh, they got jokes now, do they? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's, it, Yerks obviously have more of a sense of humor than Andalites. Not gonna lie. (laughs) Oh, hands down. At least. So basically, the Yerks don't have final permission to start logging. The commission of three people has to decide. One said yes. He's probably already a controller. One voted definitely no. There's one dude left who needs to vote named Ferrand. And he's coming to visit at the end of the week. Then he will vote. If that guy votes yes, the Yerks are in business and we're in trouble. So obviously the Yerks are like, come visit our logging camp and nothing bad will happen to you. Ever. Obviously, they're going to make him into a controller. And also, uh, so my text-to-speech makes Cassie into Kathy. I don't know if that's saying something about how I pronounce that. And then Axe always is hacks, like like hacking a computer, which is super relevant in this scene. <laughs> I call hacks. So Axe changes, makes a change to their computer system, which should allow him to access it from Marco's home computer, which like, okay. And he shuts down the defenses of the Yerk compound. So like those... Automatic Dracon beams get shut down and they're like, hey, Cassie, you feel like morphing again? And she's like, absolutely not, but let's go. And so they morph Wolf and they just leave and nothing happens. Like the defenses are shut down. They don't detect them. They just leave and make it home. Yeah, that was like really lucky that they got out and it's just like nobody noticed them as they... Uh, infiltrated the uh, the room and then was able to get out again. I mean, they already had their near death experience thing. <laughs> but like, we can't talk life that of servitude. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a lot of near de- like so far we've had like one near death experience per book, and this one is like okay, here's six. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they're just like all right, let's get out of here. You know, they just leave. Cut to you know they they fly home or they run home. I don't know. I guess they're wolves, so they run home and. Cassie says, my parents expected me to be at Rachel's house. Her parents expected her to sleep over in my house. My house was easier to sneak into, so that's where we went. So they go to Cassie's room. Cassie gives Rachel a flannel to sleep in. And Rachel's pretty much asleep before she hits the floor. Um, But Cassie is, like, having a hard time sleeping. And we have a little bit of a monologue about how she feels guilty for destroying the termite colony. She says, I wanted to throw up, but I would have had to get out of bed to run to the bathroom. And I never wanted to leave bed again. (laughs) Yeah, yes. we've all Hashtag had that debate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, I really need to use the bathroom, but I wonder if I could get back to sleep. <laughs> like, how much pain and discomfort can I put up? Okay, yeah, could I, could I sleep through this or do I need to go to the bathroom <laughs> to throw up yeah. first? Oh, that's a fun feeling. She is like having this debate and she says, I realized tears were running down my cheeks and soaking my pillow. I would have cried out loud, but I didn't want Rachel to wake up. I would have screamed, but my parents would have come running. And what would I have told them? Lies. More lies. Because in my world, I too was prey. The Yerks were hunting me. So she's still feeling bad about lying to her parents, which like, she's feeling bad about lying to them. But I 
think the more relatable thing would be like, I'm close to my parents and it sucks that I can't tell them what I'm going through. But she's just stuck on the fact that she has to lie to them. And I'm like, but you're lying to protect them. You know, it's kind of, yeah. I can't help. I just, I, I, I just don't relate. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely tells what kind of teenager you were. Whether or not you feel bad about lying to your parents. <laughs> I mean, I do feel bad now, but I mean, I don't know. I'm sort of like, they've got yes. a, I'm very much like job first, like, you know, other thing later. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm just like, meh, it's fine. I mean, what my parents don't know, don't hurt me. Or <laughs> yeah, so she finally falls asleep. After basically being, like, awake for hours. And she dreams about being a mother looking for her babies. And she's, like, panicking. And she eventually finds them. And then they snuggle up next to her. And she has this warm, fuzzy feeling. She wakes up. And then the happy feeling quickly evaporates. And um, so they both wake up. And Rachel asks Cassie if she's okay. And Cassie says, kind of. But she's pretty creeped out. Rachel says, it's no big deal that you killed the termites. They're just bugs. And then leaves. (laughs) And Cassie's like, Rachel, it seems like she's probably kind of uncomfortable that she had to treat Cassie like a baby. Like, she's not the nurturing type, so she might be a little kind of freaked out about that. Well, I think Rachel's also probably is a little... In that case, when you are used to relying on somebody and uh, they go... And and then it's unstable, I think Rachel's probably a little unhinged and and feels uncomfortable around, uh, around that after... You're, yeah, it's like their roles were kind of flipped. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's it's something yeah. that you're not used to handling or dealing with, so uh, you get adverse uh, reactions that way. Yeah. So Cassie's parents are both gone for the day, and so she goes out to the barn. She kind of hangs out. She goes out to the barn to get a frozen grasshopper that they have for the animals in the refrigerator there. And then Tobias shows up, and he heard about the crazy night that they had from Axe and Marco. Axe said it, you know, it was very uncomfortable, but then Marco's like, yeah, she went crazy. She went Looney Tunes. Yeah, (laughs) and all these things. It's like, okay. And then Cassie's like, I had to destroy the termite queen. I know she was just a bug, but you know, who am I I to decide if that it's okay to kill one animal and not another. Here I am, the big earth mother, tree hugger, animal lover, as Marco would say, and when it gets down to it, I'm just like... And then Tobias is like, just like me? And she's like, just like any other predator. And Tobias is like, you feel bad because you had to kill the queen in order to survive. She says, I shouldn't have been there. It's their world, not mine. Those little tunnels and a rotten piece of wood, that's their whole universe. I invaded it, and when they got in my way, I reacted. Who does that remind you of? Tobias says, look, you are not a yerk, and termites are not human beings. There's no comparison. And Cassie changes the subject. She doesn't want to argue with him. I mean, he's... I mean, I agree with Tobias on this one. Yeah. I feel like Cassie, it's kind of like when Rachel says, what are we going to do after the war to to, to Tobias? It's like Cassie moralizing about killing a a bunch of termites is a shitty thing to do to Tobias, who has to kill a higher than, well, whatever. We have talked about the characterization as higher life forms, but he has to kill something every single day to live. Well, I'm just sort of like, so how do you feel about like, eating like regularly then cassie she is a vegetarian we learned this later i was wondering about that because it doesn't describe her as being vegetarian she did eat just a veggie pizza did she okay yeah and um like i felt i was like oh she's it's like that supreme pizza where it's got like the bell peppers and the mushrooms and i don't know maybe they just need to hit it over the head 
for me. But. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, we'll see that a little bit more when we get to the cow book. So I want to, I want to like see if <laughs> I'll have to check something at the end of that. Okay. But yeah, I'm pretty sure she's like mostly a vegetarian, except when they're like in the fucking woods lost and she has to eat meat. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I get where Cassie's coming from because it's just it, she's coming down to I have this power. And this choice to do with it what I will, and uh, where where is the line here? And she's really really struggling with uh, and and thinking deeply about it because there is no clear answer really, um, and it kind of sums that up by the end of the book. Yeah, which is like the heart of Cassie's whole thing. Is there's no answer, but it's it's something that should be thought about. It's not something to be um, taken advantage of and brushed over. So yeah, mm-hmm. but I know it also slows down the narration a bit. So I get that also too. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is still a pretty short book. It's it's a few chapters short of normal ones. So Cassie doesn't want to argue with Tobias. And she changes the subject to start talking about the skunk kits. She's like, I have to morph. I've got to go find these skunk kits. For a moment, Tobias said nothing. Skunk kits? Near the edge of the Yerk logging compound? And Cassie says, yes. And he says, I can show you where they are. And it's like, uh... She ref- she takes a second in denial, refusing to um, believe why Tobias would know exactly where those skunk kits are. And she says, are they still alive? And Tobias says, four of them are still alive. Ooh, that's why I laughed a little bit. I was like, <laughs> did he eat one or are they? He just noticed one of them died. We had very yeah, different no, reactions one. there, Jason. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Cassie feels this uncharacteristic rage boiling up inside of her, um, which again is like, she's projecting, right? She's projecting her guilt of killing the termite queen, but Tobias doesn't really have the privilege of feeling guilty about this because he has to do it to survive. Well, he doesn't have to, and he notes later, he doesn't have to. Well, the thing is, like, Cassie, would you have a predator who eats, like, he's probably an obligate carnivore, like, eat nothing or some other animal or like... literally your dad is going to a meeting today with a cat food come or like cat food is made out of meat because cats are obligate carnivores like <laughs> and we I keep don't... them as pets and breed them and make more of them like yeah and you probably have saved wolves and hawks and eagles and owls and shit like that like yeah i don't know She's upset because he's killing to eat, but he is an obligate carnivore, so he's something has to die for him to live. I don't know. I mean, there's that to be upset about, and there's also that to be upset about. This the skunk never was going to be hurt if it wasn't between a war between humans and Yurks invading that home. Uh, the mom skunk would would still be that's true back home. So ultimately, the fingers all point back to them. As humans and Yerks to begin with. Well, isn't it just the Yerks' fault? I mean, the Yerks were the one that like. Yeah, they fired. Yeah, and they fired the dracon beam at the kids, and that's what you know hurt the mama skunk. So, like, ultimately, it's just again uh, destruction of nature as two other forces battle, and that's where there's just a lot of repercussions from all that. That's really dastardly. Yeah. Um, so Cassie says, I'm going to save what's left of them, I said. My voice didn't sound like my voice. I'll help you, Tobias said. And so they cut to a new chapter. Tobias leads her and Osprey more to the kit's little lair in the bottom of a tree, um, while she carries the grasshopper in her talons. He shows her where the, the baby skunks are and flies off. 
She knows that she upset him by being angry at him and that he's going off to tell Jake what she's doing, but she doesn't really care in that moment. Man. Yeah, like... Calling Tobias a snitch. Right? Well, she's like, that's fine. Um, And she morphs the skunk mama and she notices how docile and calm the skunk's instincts are instincts are because they have the ultimate defense mechanism nobody, they don't need to be aggressive nobody gonna mess with me <laughs> yeah so she kind of waddles over into the lair and she feeds them the grasshopper and they snuggle up and she falls asleep oh, bad I, when i saw that i was like oh shit. <laughs> that's why this book ends so quickly um so she wakes up to the sound of jake banging on the outside of the tree and he she's like she's you've been in more for almost two hours so she, like, shoots out of the den and demorphs and finds Jake standing there with Marco. Cassie apologizes, but Jake isn't having it at all. He says, this is not why we have this ability. We are not trying to save every lost skunk in the world. We are an army, a small, weak, pathetic, outnumbered army. We have exactly six members. Tobias has already been trapped in morph, but he was trapped fighting the Yerks. I can't believe you would nearly get yourself trapped in morph over some skunks. And Marco to his credit, steps in and puts a hand on Jake's shoulder and is like, it's okay. Look, it's okay, Jake. It's fine. Like, she's she's all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Jake's like, thanks to Tobias, no thanks to her. Which, trouble in paradise. Right. <laughs> Jake is like, Marco and Tobias go take a walk. And he turns to Cassie and is like, I know you had a real bad experience last night. I've been there. I've had the nightmares. I know what's going on in your head right now. I'm fine, I muttered. Just shut up and listen to me, he said, but his anger was gone now. I care about you, Cassie. We all do. We all need you. And she's like, what do you need me to fight? I don't, what if I don't want to fight anymore? And she's just like, the strong eat the weak. It's part of nature. Humans always win. The other animals always lose. Maybe it's our turn to lose. And Jake says, this isn't about some race called humans. It's about people we know, people we see every day. My brother Tom is one of them. So why don't you go tell Tom it's okay he's a slave of the Yerks because it's our turn to get hammered? And he turns around and walks away. Not to mention, like, the entire planet. Yeah, right? Like, like yeah. And this, uh, sure, somebody has got to say all this stuff. They're doing bad shit. But also, like, you got to do it. <laughs> Otherwise, everybody, half of the Earth is either going to die and then the other half is going to be controllers. And so Cassie is like, so as he's turning to walk away, she's like, Jake? My dad will have the skunk mother ready to be returned here in a day or so. I'm not going to just abandon these kids. Jake says, you can't stay in Morph that long and you know it. And she says, yeah, but I have to make sure no predators come around. I have to get them food and I have to morph at least some of the time so they can imprint on their mother. Look, I know it seems stupid to you and Marco and probably everyone, but I have to do this. Yay. And then Tobias chimes in from the side where he can still hear them, but he's like away a little bit. And he's like, I'll watch them. And Jake's like, fine, Tobias will keep watch. We'll work something out. Save the lousy skunks. After all, it's not like we have anything else to do right now. <laughs> I don't know. This takes priority. It's still a little bite-bite. Yeah. I don't think it takes priority, but I think they have time to do both. Yeah, they can do both. And she's like, yeah, okay, thank you. And I'm sorry. I didn't mean to scare you. I'll be okay now, I think. And he's like, I'll be okay too, Cassie, as long as you're around. Uh, bleh. <laughs> <laughs> From a little ways off to our left, I heard Marco make a loud gagging noise. It made me laugh. It must have been feeling better being able to laugh. Oh, Jason, how are you at rom-com movies? Because I feel you'll be very entertaining. I actually like rom-com movies. I do. But it's just like, I don't know. Sometimes it, things are just too cheesy. And I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> okay, fair, fair. <laughs> 
Oh, without you, Cassie. Oh my God. <laughs> okay, well, he's, so basically- he's thirteen. He doesn't know that how to have. It's this. Hey. It's the same level as a Star Wars romance dialogue. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you know what? Be completely upfront and honest with your feelings. So it's good. I'm glad he's expressing himself. <laughs> but it's just, I'm just like, oh my God. Could you do it in like a, I don't know. It's just like, <laughs> I just up. Yeah. Uh, Cut to later that day. Everybody's hanging out outside the skunk den. Everybody's there. They're talking about how cute the skunks are, which once again, Google baby skunks. They're adorable. Yeah. And then. Sorry. And so Jake tells them the plan. Okay, well, we're in school tomorrow and the next day, Axe and Tobias will protect the den. Axe will morph the mother skunk from time to time. Tobias will patrol from above. I'll bring Tobias frozen food so he doesn't have to hunt during that time. And it's like so cute how seriously they're taking this. So over the next few days, they make sure that the skunk babies are safe and fed. And even Marco is getting into it. He names them uh, after the Ramones. So we have Joey, Johnny, Marky, and CJ, which is always adorable. Like, uh, that's one of the things that, that gets gets me in the warm and fuzzies when, like, someone who's, like, hardened and usually very cynical is like, no, I love these. These are my children, and I will die for them. Yeah. Oh, what's, <laughs> like, that, what's that? What's that? Rosa. Mean? Yeah, Rosa. I've only had Arlo for one day, and if anything happened to him, I'd kill everyone else myself. <laughs> I never exactly. related so hard. <laughs> Yeah. Cassie gets there after school and Tobias is watching over the babies. She decides to morph the mama skunk and take him for a walk, which is fucking cute. Tobias was released, relieved to have an excuse to take off. But as soon as he was gone, I started to have doubts about my brilliant idea of taking the kids out for a stroll. How would I keep track of them? What if they wandered off? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> me, me when I have to take my students to the library. <laughs> I don't think they're that obedient of little ducklings, are they? <laughs> put, them, yeah. put them all in front of you and then just mm-hmm. watch for whichever ones go <laughs> sideways. I feel like in this that is... instance, like somehow having like a really long shepherd's crook or something like that just to keep yeah. everybody in line would come in handy. <laughs> yeah. But then while uh, Cassie says, but then while I was debating, Marky made a wild dash outside and I had to scamper to catch up to him, which also I like how she knows which one's the which. <laughs> Uh, as soon as I appeared, though, the kit went meekly to stand behind me. One by one, the other three babies came out, and to my amazement, they lined up like obedient first graders. Okay, I said, although of course the kits couldn't understand me. Let's take a walk. I waddled slowly away, took about ten steps, and turned to look back over my shoulder. The four of them were all lined up behind me. I was their mother, as far as they knew, and they were programmed to follow their mother. It's <laughs> so cute. So they walk around adorably for about half an hour. She starts to take them back to the little um, burrow, but suddenly a dog shows up and starts barking at them. Okay. And she's like, there's no way this was a wolf because a wolf would not mess with a skunk. Again, uh, we know uh, eventually the dog, dog, dog thing gets resolved, but fucking put the dog on a leash. That's, that's a hey, number one. Keep the dog on the leash. <laughs> yes. Not only do you want to make sure that your dog doesn't get sprayed by a skunk, but you want to make sure they don't get stickers in their fur. You want to make sure that they don't get poison oak on them. Poison oak. Well, in our area, we have poison oak. But uh, ticks also for Lyme disease can kill a dog. Uh, Other animals. By the way, dogs can't. Dogs don't react to poison oak, but if they get it on their fur, oh, they can it transfers to, their to humans. So yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. so that's uh-huh. the big deal. 
That's always fun. But yeah, and then they can get by, bit by other animals if they go, you know, off, uh, you know, going after things. Uh, it's just be a responsible dog owner and keep your yeah, dog on a leash. Yeah, I was about that too. Because we, you know, we obviously find out whose dog it is. And I was just like, God, like, also they're like by a, f- a forest. Like, what the fuck is your dog doing on there following you from your home? Yeah, yeah. yeah. All the way there, like without a leash. Like, yeah. It seems like he brought... Sorry, okay, it's Jake's okay, dog. Let me, let me get to this part and then we'll talk about it. Okay, so the dog, the dog shows up, starts barking at them. And Cassie just automatically, without thinking, turns her back on the dog and sprays him in the face. Poor Bobby. And she says... Just at the instant when I fired, I had the strange sensation that I knew this dog from somewhere, but it was too late by then. Way too late. Turns out, dog was Homer. Jake's dog. From yeah, the first book. Big, big dummy dog. Uh, yeah. Okay, Jake being stupid. Okay, A, keep your dog on a leash. B, why is it in the middle of the forest really near dragon beams? C, also, you yes. just let your dog run home on its own? <laughs> Are you kidding me? What a fucking douche no you do not you make sure that animals go safely home and you get the reprimand that you deserve by letting your girlfriend spray your dog in the face and you have to go home and wash him okay rant ended (laughs) yeah she's like jake is like homer i told you not to follow me into the woods what you just brought him to the edge of the woods and said sit stay and walked off like what the fuck dude (laughs) how did you not notice him before again it's like God. <laughs> so uh jake Mirko, rachel and axe in andalite form all run up to see what happened to jake's dog and then it says homer decided that home might be a better place than the forest after all he trotted off tail between his legs in the middle of the forest miles away from home <sighs> and then axe has one of the best lines ever that he has in the series i believe the smell is causing me to become deranged axe said calmly I might have to run away and panic. (laughs) (laughs) And then Marco says, take me with you. (laughs) Yeah. Cassie demorphs and Jake says, the reason why they're there is because, oh shit, they need to save this Farron guy right now. He's not coming this weekend. He'll be there in about an hour. Uh Uh-oh. That's all. That's all I have. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And wolf facts. Yeah. Well, let's take a small break here before we wrap this up and we'll wrap it up quickly. Uh, But we have some wolf facts because this is a wolf book. And even though Cassie only morphs wolf the one time. Yeah. Well, a couple times because she morphed wolf to get away from the fortress. Oh, that's right. Yes. After they got done with termites, but it was very brief. Uh, But. I mean, her wolf morph is something that she goes back to a lot throughout the series, at least so far during the series, and I'm assuming way more later on, right, Morgan? Uh, yes. Okay, so, uh, might as well. We gotta talk about wolves! So, the gray wolf is a large uh, canine, and uh, it's native to uh, Europe and Asia, and uh, it's also in, um, different species are in Africa as well, and in North America. Uh, so there's 30 subspecies of uh, Canis lupus uh, that have been recognized, and gray wolves uh, colloquially uh, are understood as uh, non-domesticated feral um, uh, subspecies. The wolf uh, is closely uh, related to other um, Canis species, such as the coyote and golden jackal, and they can produce uh, fertile hybrids with them as well. Like Balto! Well, and then you also got, you got wolf dogs, where wolves and domesticated dogs also have bred within each other, uh, and, uh, 
That's interesting as well. Those dogs, uh, those wolf dogs are, are much more, uh, they, they are much more, um, potential to, uh, not listen to human commands and, uh, they have the potentiality depending on the individual of, uh, being more feral and, uh, uh reactor, uh, uh, aggressive and, uh, reactory to, uh, to humans. So, uh, that's a little bit more dangerous. Um, but of all the members of the genus Canis, the wolf is the most specialized for cooperative game hunting, um, as is demonstrated by its physical adaptations by tackling large prey, and also its more social nature, as its highly advanced expressive behavior uh, helps it uh, survive. It travels in nuclear families consisting of a mated pair. So we talked about this, I think, in, um, What's the one when they first uh, were wolves and uh, Jake, it was book three, right? Where Jake was alpha wolf. He's like, I'm the alpha male, la, 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 Mm -hmm. la, la. Well, actually, it's a mated pair. So you've got an alpha female and an alpha male that are the head of their pack and they're accompanied by their offspring. Yeah, and it's more like their parents. They're not like a random collection of wolves and they fight to see who is the leader. It's like they're fa- they're a family and the parents are in charge, mm-hmm. like a normal family. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, offspring may leave to form their own packs on the onset of sexual maturity in response to competition for food within the pack. Uh, wolves are also territorial and fight over territory. Um, and fights over territory are the principal cause of warfare wolf mortality uh a the wolf is mainly a carnivore and feeds on large wild hooved mammals uh, as well as smaller mammals as well and livestock and carrion and they even eat garbage yeah just like just like the skunks (laughs) yeah and there's certain wolves also that have adapted that like actually go out like um in british columbia they they swim out and eat uh like fish and salmon uh out in the waters and in, uh, inlets uh in the ocean too uh and 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 in uh, rivers and streams they uh they're there's fishing wolves as well that have adapted uh during mm-hmm. certain times of the year and and they, they get uh yummy fish too so grizzly rachel and wolf cassie could go they could go on together. a fishing trip together and have a jolly old good time <laughs> Yeah, where's that book? Oh, that'd be fun. Just say they, Tw- book twenty five. They, they ditch the guys and they go Wait, on a fishing trip. There's a book. There's a book for everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wolves have a long history of interactions with humans. They have been despised and hunted in most uh, pastoral communities because of their attacks on livestock. Uh, while conversely, they've also been respected in some agrarian and hunter gatherer societies. Um, the wolf is considered the ancestor of the domestic dog. Although the fear of wolves exists in many human societies, the majority of recorded attacks on people have been attributed to animals that were suffering from rabies as opposed to, like, wolves seeking out humans. Wolf attacks on humans are really rare because uh, they wolves are relatively few and they live far away from people and have developed a fear of humans because of their experiences with hunters and ranchers and shepherds they they know to stay clear with of us and we should let them be and give them their space studies mm. using uh paleo 
genomic techniques reveal that the modern wolf and dog are uh, sister taxa. Uh, so as modern wolves are not closely related to uh, the population of wolves that were first domesticated. So basically there was an ancestor that was of wolves that um, became the domesticated dog, but since then modern wolves have evolved away from that. And speaking of which, I have a great example of my dog whining at me right now, asking, why am I still podcasting? Uh, <laughs> uh, genomic... He is definitely a dog that would go run into the forest. Oh, he's a home- he's, he is Homer. <laughs> he is a golden retriever. Yes. He think, yeah. oh boy, I can play with that, right? <laughs> Just go <laughs> poke the skunk with his nose. Um Genomic studies uh, suggest modern wolves and dogs descend from a common ancestral wolf population that existed 20,000 years ago. So uh, especially um, when you talk about a physiology of wolves, like their teeth are amazing. So they're they're like heavy and large and that uh, makes them better suited to crushing bones uh, than those of other canids. Um, So they, they really take out uh all of their prey if they they normally will come back to like a carcass and stuff and they'll they'll go chewing the bones and getting all the marrow out and everything um but uh their teeth technically are not as specialized as those found in hyenas um hyenas are big bone crushing uh like they they evolve to crush bones the hyena jaw i think is the strongest jaw of any land animal i think so the the amount of pressure it can use psi Mm -hmm. stupid yeah it's it's insane they yeah they hyenas definitely are on the top on the bone crushing list but wolves are right there uh second dang uh it's uh the wolves uh, molars have flat chewing surfaces uh, but they're not the um to the same extent as the coyote because the coyote as diet actually is a little bit more omnivorous well it is more omnivorous and uh, definitely eats uh, more vegetable matter than uh wolves do the size and weight of a modern wolf uh, increases proportionally with the latitude in accord with uh, Bergman's rule. So this was interesting. So uh, the mean body mass of a wolf is 88 pounds, but the smallest specimen uh, recorded is 26 pounds, and the largest ever was 175 pounds. So Jesus. <laughs> it's interesting. It ranges because you got different wolf subspecies in different parts of the world, and depending on like you know what latitude they're at, they're um, they're general range of mass varies so on average european wolves uh, weigh 85 pounds north american wolves weigh average 79 pounds and the indian and uh, arabian uh, wolves uh, average weigh 55 pounds so females in any given wolf population typically weigh between uh, 5 to 10 pounds less than the males and wolves weighing over 119 pounds are uncommon but uh, those exceptionally large individuals have been recorded, especially in Alaska and Canada, and also in Russia. Uh, the Russian male wolves, uh, there's been a maximum weight recorded between 152 and 174 pounds. Those are the big boys. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, wolves are cool. Uh, in cold climates, yeah. uh, the, the wolf can reduce the flow of blood near its skin so it can conserve its body heat because they have um, a double layer coat uh, to retain heat. Um, they have the, their outer rough coat and then um, an endor coat under under that. Some people with dogs that have a, a similar thing can relate uh, uh, those dogs that have those uh, the double layer coats for, for colder weather. 
the warmth of their foot pads is regulated independently from the rest of their body, and uh, it's maintained uh, in cold climates just above tissue freezing point where the pads uh, come in contact with ice and snow, which, you know, you kind of always wonder about because when you, like, watch the Iditarod or something like that where um, uh, sled dogs uh, have to, you know, wear mm -hmm. uh, their footies and Little stuff like booties. that to protect their, their feet and everything, yeah, and you're wondering, like, okay, wolves do this all the time, and Arctic wolves especially, like, they're up in ice and sleet and snow all uh, the time. How are they not damaging their, their paws and their feet? And uh, their, um, their, uh, their foot pads actually are um, kind of regulating their, uh, their thermal um, warmth around that. So wolves occur originally uh, across Eurasia and North America, and then deliberate human persecution um, against wolves because of livestock predation and fear of attacks uh, on humans has reduced the wolf range to about one third of what it once was. The wolf is now uh, locally extinct in much of Western Europe and the US and Mexico, and also in Japan. Uh, in modern times, the wolf occurs mostly in wilderness and remote areas, uh, as we well know. Um, and they specialize in preying on vulnerable individuals of large prey, um, with packs of about 15 to be able to bring down uh, a large hoofed mammal like a you know, caribou or adult moose. Uh, but they really aren't fussy eaters. Smaller animals um, may supplement their diet, uh, and so they go after you know rodents, hares, insectivores, small carnivores, and uh, they frequently eat waterfowl uh, and eggs. And uh, when food is insufficient, they'll go after you know reptiles and amphibians and insects. Uh, as I was stating before, wolves can also go after fish too. Uh, like in northern Minnesota, they prey on uh, pike and freshwater streams. And in British Columbia, they'll go uh, salmon fishing out in the, the coastal waters. Fetch. Wolves. What was that? I said fetch. Fetch, yeah. Go fetch a fish. Fetch a fish. <laughs> <laughs> and the sweet thing is wolves are monogamous, so mated pairs usually uh, remain together for life. But uh, if should one of the pair die, another mate is found pretty quickly. So, <laughs> okay, rotate through. Wolves in the wild, uh, they do not inbreed when outbreeding is uh, possible. They'll, they'll range far to find, you know, somebody with uh, that's not related to them. Uh, wolves become mature at the age of two years and uh, are sexually mature from the age of three. The age of first breeding in wolves depends largely on environmental factors. So when food is plentiful or when wolf populations are heavily managed, uh, wolves can rear pups at younger ages to better exploit abundant resources. So there's lots of facts about wolves and full wolves are Utterly amazing, but uh, we can get going on finishing up this summary and finishing up book nine if you guys are ready. Ooh, let's let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the Animorphs were debating uh, since they have one hour to get in position, get ready to intercept uh, this commissioner for the logging uh, project, uh, Ferrand. Uh, before the Yurks infest him to get it. Uh, so they, the Yurks obviously are planning to infest him to get uh, his vote to move forward uh, on the project so they can, you know, go destroy the forest and try to hunt out um, all all the, the Andalites, essentially, that they that they think are in there. But, you know, they don't know that they're human. Still, they don't want the forest to be destroyed. Tobias told them um, to be quiet uh, as they were debating because he heard uh, diesel engines of the logging equipment running and he flew up uh, in the sky to take a look. 
Jake had their resolution. They had to keep Fran alive to prevent them from making him a controller, um, since his vote mattered the most of the Yurks continuing uh, this operation. And then just as that, uh, Tobias flew back and the Yurk had already, uh, the Yurks have already started um, their, uh, their destruction. They were cutting the trees and heading towards them. Axe pointed out the skunk den was uh, right in the pathway of the approaching machines. Even Marco <laughs> was not going to stand for that. He's like, hey. I lo- yeah, I love that. <laughs> He's like, no one fucks with our skunks. Nobody. They're my children. <laughs> yes, I've been their mama. <laughs> Nobody's going to mess with them. I did like that. Yeah. So Cassie came up with a plan. The Yerks would have to drop their force field if they're going to let Ferrand in. So they will just have to grab him at that time. In the meantime, they'll have to slow down the machines, cutting down the trees. <laughs> that Rachel grinned. Cool. <laughs> Something needs to be destroyed. Uh, I'm there. <laughs> Elephant time. <laughs> uh, actually, she doesn't. Rachel smash. I know, but she doesn't. Uh, she doesn't quote Elephant. So. Jake, Marco, Rachel, and Axe, all four of the, them, took off to stop the logging machines, and that left Cassie to fly with Tobias as they were to go look for the truck that would be approaching with Ferrand. Cassie said uh, as she was morphing that she was sorry that she got mad at Tobias for eating one of the skunk kits. He was a predator and just doing what he had to do. Tobias pointed out that he didn't have to hunt. He could just live on the food that Cassie and the others brought for him, but he was a hawk, and hawks eat live prey. Plus, it was moral. Uh, was it really moral for him to eat some frozen mouse that she brought for him? Um, essentially, letting you know her or somebody else doing the killing, versus he finding the prey naturally. Yeah, I I like that line. Yeah, he's like, okay, one way or another, I am a predator. I'm going to eat food. Like it's either I'm killing them or you're killing them or somebody else is killing it for me. Where's the Where's the line here of morality? He pointed out that he doesn't kill unnecessarily he eats what he hunts down and every animal has a right to live a hawk a mouse a skunk so they they flew off and cassie was in her osprey morph and she was pondering all this uh in her morph she tracked fish in the stream below her as they flew above and uh, she was thinking on tobias's words they were predators and they had a right to live just as much as their prey Tobias pointed out the whole point of nature and evolution is to survive, and that was each individual's job within this sphere. They found the jeep approaching down the road. They spotted Ferrand in the back seat. As the jeep pulled up to the Yurk uh, fortress, Ferrand jumped out of the car and started like waving his arms angrily, and a man stepped out of the building to meet him, a man in morph, Visor 3. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we, we have ended that, like, Visor 3, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> like, six times how, so far. <laughs> how can you not? I, I think it's going to be a thing. <laughs> they kind of describe this, like, creepy, evil feeling emanating from him. So, in the audio format, we just have to say dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, hey, if you're, we finally get the uh, Animorph drinking game going for us that are, you know, uh, of the age to drink, at this point, drink. <laughs> yes. Yes, that should be out by now because at time of recording, I have made most of the squares. Oh. So I just need to actually pull the trigger on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Ferrand was confronting Visor 3 and Morph. He was angry that they had started the logging without his approval. And Cassie and Tobias looked for uh, the others, but they were too far away in the forest uh, and not in position yet to really interfere. So they looked down as they flew over. Visor 3 slapped Ferrand across the face uh, in their confrontation, and the man staggered back. 
the two other controllers from the Jeep took Ferran by the arms and pinned him back, uh, holding him uh, up against uh, to Visor 3. So Cassie made a quick decision. She dove down, talons first, and struck Visor 3 in the face, her talons scraping along his scalp. And Tobias did the same, diving at one of the other controllers and really got his, his face good. Ferrand escaped uh, for a second, but he was caught by the remaining controller guard. Then Jake appeared in Tiger Morph and charged. Cassie spotted Rachel and Marco through the trees and their wolf morphs, uh, and they were taking out controllers operating the logging equipment. Axe had their back in his andalite form, taking out limbs with a scorpion tail. They really need to take Axe over to the gardens and the zoo and let him collect a lot more morphs because uh, it'd be a super... I mean, his andalite morph is super helpful, but... He'd also be super helpful in, like, you know, some ball or, like, second grizzly or... Uh, or yeah, another another elephant. Another so it's elephant. So, like, if you have the space, you could do elephant. If not, you can just do more if, like... Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, they need to take Axe on a field trip. If they're gonna... School is not needed. Field trip to zoo, much needed. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like uh, at the zoos I've been to, the elephants... I mean, they're usually... The pen is super open at the zoo, and then they go into, like, these, like, corrals at night, but it's open air. Like, you could go in there and demorph and acquire an elephant I mean, yeah, they were in the back uh, areas of uh, the zoo and the gardens, in the back hallways that connect to uh, each enclosure anyway at one point, so yeah. Yeah, they could have uh, morphed a... All they need to do is fly in as birds at night, demorph in the, in the like, habitats and enclosures and collect them. They need to be right. more prepared. Yeah. These kids are not taking it seriously enough. Yeah, one of the um, trivia for this book is that this is one, the first time where someone acquires a morph that never gets used. And it was Jake acquiring um, the termite because he never morphs it and he never uses it in the whole series. Oh, okay. Uh, interesting. It's better to have it and not need it than need it and not have yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> yeah, but like, yeah. I mean, I mean, I all of these kids go. They don't. They don't. Their video games aren't very like. You need to do massive amounts of preparing <laughs> and grinding for things. Now play so. some Fallout, people. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> so Cassie dove to intercept the controller who had Ferrand just as the reinforcements uh, spilled out of the logging building. So another half a dozen human controllers and four hork bajir came out of the Yurk enclosure, uh, like fortress. Cassie was mid dive though, as this was happening, and just then those reinforcements started shooting at her, bullets whizzing past, and then she was hit. Her wing uh, was hit with a bullet, and she fell from the sky. She hurled down to the ground and hit it hard, and she started losing consciousness. Cassie thought she saw Jake and Tiger Morph take out a hork bajir. Then she thought she saw an ant on the ground carrying a dead, dried-out husk of a termite queen, and then everything went black. Dun-dun-dun. She woke up in a large box with holes on the side. Ferrand was unconscious on the floor near her. This is a pretty big box, by the way. (laughs) Yeah. Just saying. She was still in Osprey Morph, but she heard Visor 3 outside shouting orders to turn on the perimeter defenses, uh, so, like, get the... Uh, the force field back up and uh, to have his controllers guard her box. He says there's an andalite in there and they better not allow it to escape. Cassie thought quickly. It sounded like her friends were doing good damage, but not for long. Reinforcements for Visitor 3 would surely be on their way, so other bug fighters would probably be landing soon. She had to get out of the Osprey Morph as well with the bullet through her damaged wing. It, she was in a lot of pain. She started to morph to human quickly 
and uh, then she morphed to something else as Brand was shifting back into consciousness. Cassie could hear Visitor 3 revert to Thought Speak, so she knew he demorphed back to Andalite form. Which also doesn't make sense because Andalites and Human Morph can Thought Speak. So that might be a goof. Oh, yeah, you're true. Yeah, since he was already in Human Morph, uh, he could uh, just Thought Speak to everybody too if he wanted to. Yeah, so anyway, I don't know if that was... uh, yeah, she j- maybe she just assumes that. Maybe it was Cassie being wrong. <laughs> oh. But she, if she was going to communicate with him via thought speak, she realized she had to do it in a way to not give herself up as a human, which I also thought this was kind of blurring the lines again, because uh, again, they have been very careful not to do thought speak uh, and give themselves away already to visit three for the uh, first eight books. So in this one, apparently she can just think in a monotone voice and then choose her words carefully to say, Visitor. I will kill the human. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then apparently they didn't give her up as a human, but uh, that was Visitor of Three's weakness. He needed Ferrand alive. And so that was the pressure point. By threatening to kill Ferrand, Cassie uh, threatened to kill Visitor's plan. See, so you can't make a controller out of a corpse. And the Visitor instantly understood. Visitor 3 had all the controllers point their weapons at the box to shoot the Andalite, uh, but to keep the human alive. Cassie was poised inside in her skunk morph. As they opened the box, she was calm and collected, and then she sprayed. She hit Visitor 3 in the face. A skunk can fire its scent in five to seven shots, all within a few seconds. So she then hit a hork vizier and then two human controllers, and at that point, Visitor 3 had staggered back and was reeling. The others started running away from the stench, and the hork vizier, uh, she was worried about it, uh, like maybe the hork vizier couldn't smell uh, a skunk stench, but she got soon a really good reaction. She's like, oh yeah, it can, and it started running away too. <laughs> the force field was still up, and the other animorphs uh, in their animal uh morphs were behind that force field along with the logging machinery so they had commandeered it and uh, they had directed the machinery to go towards the compound and the um the machines were all just straining against the force field itself you know just waiting to be uh, be able to push through and uh, go bulldoze down the logging fortress if the force field went down the building would be destroyed by the approaching machinery but the other problem would be, so would Ferrand in the box, <laughs> trying to regain consciousness. So uh, all the controllers outside the force field were taken out, while the rest inside were with Cassie, and they were staggering, staggering away from the skunk stench. Through all that, she just like waddled out of the entrance of the box, going like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Axe used uh, thought speak through the force field to address the disgusted Visor 3. Visor, Axe said, it seems to me that we have a standoff. Don't try to bargain with me, fool, Visor 3 sneered. I have forces on the way. Axe nodded. I wonder how your blade ship will smell after you spread your newly acquired stench <laughs> through it. And this is where it gets a little sitcom-y uh, <laughs> with this conclusion. The smell, Visor said, it, it'll, it'll go away. Uh, the, s- <laughs> <laughs> the smell would go away in about seven Earth days, Axe said, if you were in open air. In a spacecraft, airtight, closed up, and cramped, you'll never lose the smell. Ever. However, thanks to Andalite chemical technology, there is a way to remove the stench. <laughs> Let the human Ferrand go free. 
He's unconscious and hasn't seen what you are. Let him go and we'll give you the secret of neutralizing the stench and we'll all walk away from here. No questions asked. <laughs> uh, Visit 3 did not like that and he sneered back at Axe and then Axe doubled down on his argument. Visor, we both know how impossible it is to remove the smell once it gets into a spacecraft. You would need to have full refitting at a major space dock. Your blade ship would be intolerable. <laughs> and Visor 3 just stood there. He just stood there and stared. And his stock eyes drooped a little. <laughs> Get the human. <laughs> Get the human, he muttered to the hork vizier. Axe told him to have his controllers drop Ferrand off at the nearest hospital where he'll be safe. And then he would tell Visor 3 the secret to getting the skunk stench off of him. So it is called the secret because it's the secret to getting rid of skunk. It's just such Uh. a really delayed reaction to what the title of this book is. It's called The Secret. It's sort of like underwhelming. Like where was the, I wanted lore. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, you expected like, you know, maybe another axe secret to come to light or something like that. But nope. And Cassie's (laughs) next book is called The Unknown. And it's a similar thing. It could also be called The Secret. (laughs) (laughs) And there's a reveal at the end that is a similar caliber. Oh, Oh okay. All right, well, we'll get the popcorn. looking forward to it. (laughs) Uh, The Yerks did as they were told, and Ferrand was taken to hospital. And then Axe told Visor 3 of a certain type of earth juice that would help get rid of the skunk smell. <laughs> and then Visor 3 was still screaming when they disappeared into the woods. So as a side note, I'm surprised Visor 3 would let them go that easily. <laughs> yeah. Just like, okay, yeah. It must have been so bad. Yeah, here, here's, the, here's the way to get the skunk smell off. Okay, see ya. And, and she's like, ah, I'm just going to sit here and scream while they run off. <laughs> But apparently they do. Yeah, I think he's just so, we'll just say he's so demoralized by the skunk smell that he's just like, fine, I'm not going to defeat them like this. Even if I kill them, it will not be a victory for me. So far, we know that Rattlesnake and Skunk can beat Fizzer 3. I don't know why they don't just keep (laughs) going into those morphs each time. (laughs) Yeah. The next day, they brought the skunk mom back to her den. She was all fully healed. She rejoined with her kits and had them waddling after her through the forest in a single line in time. Jake had followed up with Ferrand in the hospital. He had morphed as a fly and uh, sat on the uh, wall in Ferrand's room as uh, he woke up. And the first thing that he did uh, was make a call to uh, say that he was voting against the logging project and he'll probably uh, be suing Dapson Lumber. So (laughs) all is fine there. And uh, so as the Animorphs, they watched the skunk family make their way through the forest, they all started to head back. And Jake, at that point, noticed something was still bothering Cassie. You don't seem all that happy, Jake said. You miss being a skunk mommy? And Cassie smiled. No, I mean, yes, a little, but that's not it. Uh, so he's like, what's bothering you? Cassie shrugged. Nothing makes sense to me. Tobias eats one of the skunk kits, and then he helps save the rest. I kill the termite queen to save myself and my friends, and then I feel bad about it. But when it comes down to it, I went after Visitor 3 without hesitation. One minute I was a rat being chased by guys with sticks. The next minute I'm bringing uh, dead mice to Tobias, who's guarding the skunks he normally would have eaten. Somehow it's part of the same big system. I don't know. How does it all make sense? 
Jake looked like he was sorry he started the conversation. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I'm a 13-year-old boy. I don't know anything. (laughs) Gotta be there for your lovers and your partner. But they're like, yeah, but they're like 13. Yeah, yeah. He's like, like, I don't know. He's like, oh, boy, Cassie, I don't know. (laughs) She's like, okay, just tell me this. Am I part of nature? So I should just live by the laws of nature, kill to eat kill or be killed or am I something different because I'm human and they walked in silence while Jake thought it over Cassie felt sorry for him and she knew he'd rather have been discussing Spider-Man versus Batman with Marco (laughs) (laughs) Jake concluded that she's both can kill or save other species really it's humans uh, that only have the power to be able to save all the other species which okay I brought up before but other animals have been known to save other species that are not their own as well. Like they've come in and interfered and saved each other. So it's just not human. So I don't think that argument is really conclusive. Again, unlike skunks being black and white, all this moral of this story <laughs> is not black and white. And <laughs> well, I do. Th- he says only one animal has the intelligence and power, right? Like an, an animal can save another animal, but they can't form a coalition, like an organization, to save all of the other animals, you know? I think this is what he's trying to say. Yeah. Humans have, like, systemic capabilities. Right, yeah. And then on that note... We don't use them, uh, Apparently the next podcast that we'll have to do is now Redwall Series, where all animals uh, go and gather together to save (laughs) each other. Um, Yeah, and I really like how they ended like this, because a lot of things, like, especially right now, I feel like, in today's society uh (laughs) online like with twitter it's like this person is either good or they are a bad person if they have done a bad thing that means they're bad person and you can't like them anymore and it's like no people are complicated and you know she feels bad for killing the termite but and she saved the skunks though like people are complicated and you can't just be like this person is bad and we should not ever speak of them again <laughs> it's blurry in in, cer- in certain circumstances it's blurry it's cancel culture strikes again yeah. <laughs> i said sarcastically so ultimately they sighed it's complicated tobias flew overhead and landed above them and he was all smug he had just been to the logging <laughs> camp and he saw that yurks finally had uh had finally gathered enough juice uh, for Visitor 3, and they made a pit in the ground, and Visitor 3 had been in the makeshift pool of juice all night long, but everybody was still keeping clear of him and his stench. <laughs> Tobias said he was bathing in grape juice, not tomato juice, and all the Animorphs laughed. Ha 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 ha. The end. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very much like they all burst out laughing, freeze frame, credit scroll over. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, very, very sitcom ending. You were right. Like, I just want someone to make that silly scene where it's like, think we should have told him it was tomato juice, not grape juice? Nah, I don't think so. Everybody just throws their head back and laughs, like... Yeah, and then that's the freeze frame for the credits to roll over screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it'd be a good one. <laughs> well, that yeah. was book nine. We made it through, everybody. It was another Cassie book, and uh, uh, wolves, skunks, termites abound. Yeah. Lots of side animals. We might need to come back to one of them later in the books when we run out of animals to talk about. (laughs) I don't think we'll ever find, uh, we'll we'll ever run out of animals to talk about. If you have me on this podcast, (laughs) I will not stop talking. Sorry, everybody, but... (laughs) 
All right. What'd you guys think? Any final thoughts? Predictions? Oh, predictions at this point. I don't think I have any predictions. Uh, this myself. one was kind of cut and, uh, like, a uh, case closed, uh, shut and dry. Uh, I feel like I'm getting all my. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all of it mixed up. But, uh, yeah. It... Sh- cut and dry, door. <laughs> door sh- open shut, and shut. Sh- sh- open, open and, and shut, shut, cut and dry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the next book is book 10. Triggers? Yes, one second. Okay, I just wanted to get the name of it. Okay, next book is book 10, The Android. It is the spider book, so trigger for that. It's a wolf spider. Oh. But it definitely looks like a tarantula on the cover. Yeah. Yeah, throughout it's, uh, it's not too bad until the ending where there's a pretty horrific battle, like a lot of bloody fights. So that, that ending is pretty rough. Whose book is this one now? This is a Marco book. Oh, it's a Marco book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All the ones that end in zero are Marco's books. Yeah, I did think that um, that the cover did look more tarantula-esque than Wolf Spider. We'll have to look, uh, when we do our research, we'll have to look and compare and see. Yeah, and uh, yeah, the I'm just scrolling through the Seropedia page. It's pretty much just like, yeah, a lot of blood. There's a lot of, it's it's a, one of those classic Whenever people bring up Animorphs, like, and all the horrific stuff that happens, they bring up the end of this book as an example of why this should not have been for children. (laughs) I mean, we already kind of are there in certain things that have happened already in these first nine books. So, Jesus. uh, All right. We'll have to gird ourselves for this one. Yep. Uh, But it's pretty, it's fairly fun-ish up until that point. So, you know. It's a wild ride. All right. So you can find me on Twitter at Morgan underscore Slay. Tell me what you want me to put on the, if you want me to make any changes to the uh, bingo card, let me know at Morgan underscore Slay. You can also tweet us at Middlemorph on Twitter. And you can check out my other podcast at uh, are the letter you the word serious pod on Twitter. Everything's on Twitter. I just keep saying, I felt like I just said on Twitter seven times. (laughs) Uh, for my other podcast, where we talk about bad relationship posts. Jason, where can people find you? <laughs> people can find me on Twitter, make that number eight, at bottomus underscore prime. Yep, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's all you got. That's all you get, you <laughs> vulture. <laughs> and Kate, how can people communicate with you? I am not on social media, so, you know, you can... Uh, uh, carrier pigeon try to send me a message and uh try to see if that'll uh get back to me that way or you could you know maybe make it a little easier on yourself and you can email us at middlemorph at gmail.com yeah and if you're trying to persuade people to read the books tell them about our podcast because if they don't want to read the books or they don't have time to like sit and read we our can podcast tell it is pretty you. thorough <laughs> yeah like I think we're the, probably too long, actually. Like, <laughs> what? It's no. practically like reading the books, except you get fun animal facts and jokes in between. So, yeah, you get a lot. Tell of your things. friends about us. Yeah, just put it on. It's so much easier than having to do the work yourself. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, you don't have to read. We'll keep you uh, company while you're in traffic. We'll we'll hang out with you while you're, you know, walking yeah. the dog. <laughs> Absolutely. And leave us a review wherever you get your podcast, because that actually does really help us. It really so does. So we appreciate it. 
We appreciate like, it. Like, honestly. Change my life, everybody. Please. <laughs> <laughs> We're trying to get that Cinnabon money. <laughs> yeah, that Cinnabon money. We're going to have an, an, our own entertainment podcast network. <laughs> I mean, all I want is to be able to hire an editor. <laughs> <laughs> so that I don't have to do it anymore. I just want to be able to talk about Pokemon and all day. Yeah, yeah. We need yes. to start that. You're podcast. gonna have your like. It's gonna be like the Pokemon Religion podcast. I think. <laughs> I'm there. Apparently, there's a religion in Pokemon. I don't know. Well, there. Well, I mean, they never explicitly g- talk about it, but um, yeah, cults make money. I've learned. <laughs> <laughs> so. All right, all right, guys. We will see you next time for book 10, The Android. Buckle up for that one. We'll see you in a week. Dun, 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 <laughs> Bye.